it's hard to get up here after all that, I'll tell you right now. But I'll give it a shot. We're going to begin a series this morning in the book of Hebrews. Uh, 51 years plus I've been in the ministry, I've never preached through the book of Hebrews. I've always been scared to. Uh, I, I, Hebrews is more scarier to me than Revelation. Uh, there comes a time that honestly most of us would rather desire the milk of the word and when you get to the book of Hebrews there's not a whole lot of milk there most of it's meat it's some heavy stuff and so some of y'all who've been relaxing just praising the Lord shouting and everything on the milk are going to need to step it up a notch and we're going to have to get into the meat in these next uh a uh, few weeks and months and could be years before it's all over with. Hebrews chapter 1. I'm, I'm excited about my first day in heaven. First thing I'm going to do is say, Lord, who in the world wrote Hebrews? Because uh, I, I, I guarantee you. Would you stand with me in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, and actually my old King James Version says, the epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Hebrews. But that's not the anointed one. That's a man-made sentence there. But it begins, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers of the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he hath by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Father, thank you this morning. My, 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 how we've been blessed with the music and the, the varieties and the new and the old. And Lord, it's just been blended. It's been a wonderful, wonderful day. I pray your spirit now would be set free in this place. God, don't let anybody hinder what the Holy Spirit wants to do in this place this morning. We seek your manifested presence. Ask you to fall down on us, Lord, like we've never seen before. And Lord, I pray that we'd be ready to be obedient to anything you've asked us to do. Lord, take control of my thoughts and my words. May they be used to honor and glorify you in this service. And we're looking forward to what you're going to do in this invitation time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I look at the book of Hebrews, <laughs> I thought I had everything under control. About 1 o'clock this morning, I got up at 6 and redone all of it, threw it all away. And so I've got about four different things I'm heading from here this morning. And uh, when I look at the book of Hebrews, the unfathomable uh, truth contained in this epistle, there's not another one like it written in the Word of God. It's different from all of those. Uh, he starts off with this, God, who at sundry times, and then he closes it out with grace be with you all. Amen. And that's it. Thirteen chapters, it takes you, it took me about 45, 48 minutes, less than an hour, to read the entire book of Hebrews. Uh, there's no author named here. There's no congregation specifically addressed here. However, we know there was a congregation. We just don't know which. And uh, the letter 
a lot of people have suggested Paul wrote the letter, and I probably lean that way, but uh, you know, when you find somebody who says, well, I'll tell you who wrote Hebrews. No, you don't. You don't know. You know who you think may have wrote it, but you don't know. We won't know till we get to heaven. And God says, this is the guy that I had write Hebrews. Could be a woman. <laughs> Some folk have even thought Priscilla and Aquila may have written it. Uh, others have said Paul wrote it in Hebrew language and Luke translated it into Greek. Others say Paul gave the thoughts and arguments and someone else, his uh, writer, wrote it for him there. Tertullian and others said it was written by Barnabas. Uh, early Latin fathers uh, ascribed to the fact that Clement of Rome wrote it. Martin Luther and a whole line of German theologists uh, said that Apollos wrote it. Uh, we, we don't know who wrote it, but here's the bottom line. It really doesn't matter who wrote it. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, and it's true. So we need to listen to it and, and adhere to it, no matter who wrote it. Uh, then I ask the question, uh, is God going to speak to us? How does God speak? How does God speak? Uh, sometimes we think God speaks like that little boy that wanted to know if it'd be all right if he kissed his girlfriend. He went out in the woods, and he was going to give a prayer up to the Lord, and he got out there. He didn't know, but the girlfriend's little brother had climbed up the tree up ahead of him. And the little boy got out there, and he said, Father, Father up above, can I kiss the one I love? And from the top of the tree, it was center, center, down below, pucker up and let her go. <laughs> there, there's, there's some truth to that. I had, a lady, I had a lady come by, and she said, I've been prophesying, and I just want you to tell you the answer is yes. I didn't even know what the question was. I thank God I wasn't talking about maybe committing suicide. The answer was yes. Uh, I, I've had others uh, tell me, oh, Brother Charles, God told me to tell you this. Well, I talked to him this morning. He didn't say a word about it. <laughs> and then, you know, you look on television, the evangelist there, if you send this love gift to this address, and here it is at the bottom of the screen, I'm telling you I've got a word of God uh, from God for you. And, and, and you know, I remember years ago, one of our dear favorite, it was like a mom and dad to Becky and I, Arlene, uh, she led my music and she was just a great godly woman and I sat there with her many afternoons. She had a, a brain tumor and people would come by and they'd say, you're not going to die, you're going to live. You're going to live. In the name of Jesus, you're going to live. You're going to live. We sat there one day and she looked at me and she said, I'm going to die. And I said, well, how do you know you're going to die? God can do a miracle. She said, because I haven't heard from God. Now, if I'd heard from God that I was going to live, I can stand here and say, I'm going to live. But he, she said, I'm going to die. People come by still. Hey, you're going to raise up. I preached her funeral. She died. I, I tell you, a lot of times today in churches we've, slipped and uh, Herb Revis says we, we've got cotton candy churches. You look at that big old wad of cotton candy and you think, man, if I eat all that, I'm going to be so full I can't move. And suddenly there ain't nothing there. I mean, it goes down to nothing. And we've got churches today that, that are way above in style rather than substance. 
I don't, I don't want to be that way. I'm not telling you. I, I, well, I am telling you. I'm old-fashioned. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be workable. I work with you, don't I? Yeah. It'll do good. He, did you say that again? You've done good. Amen. I, I don't want to be old-fashioned, but I want to just tell you, uh, we're we still going to do church around here the way we're supposed to do church. And there ain't going to be no fog machines coming out and Nobody's going to fly from the rafter in here. And, you know, nobody's going to walk on pews. That'll kill you. This is the way you, you do church. And uh, most of the time, though, if the jokes are funny, the stories are compelling, and music stirs, uh, we're all right. But the Word of God says the greatest commandment is we're to love the Lord our God with all our strength, all our soul, all our mind, every, everything, our heart, everything. Heart, soul, strength, and mind. So as we begin this uh, book of Hebrews, uh, some questions I just want to start with, because this is the introduction. If you're visiting, it, it may get better next week, and it may not. I don't know. But this is the introduction to the whole book. There's some questions. For example, how can Christians claim that Jesus is the only way to heaven when... 85, 90% of the world don't believe that way. Are we? Are we the only one? I mean, we're, we're a country here in America of 360 million people, yet there are 8 billion people in the world. And we got the audacity to say there's only one way to heaven, and it's Jesus Christ. People say, well, now let's, let's wait. Let's see. And then, do we really believe God will eternally condemn good people who've never heard the message? Hmm. Are angels active in the world today? Does God really care and take notice of the sex lives of people, both married and unmarried? What happens to a Christian who renounces their faith? Do they lose their salvation? If God really cares about me, why doesn't he answer my prayers and alleviate my suffering? Boy, you'll find every one of those answers. You don't want to miss a Sunday. You'll find every one of those answers in the book of Hebrews. It's going to dig down. It's going to get deep. It was written sometime around A.D. 65, 30 years after the resurre uh, resurrection. And uh, let me just quickly get on here. Number one, God reveals himself fragmentally or progressively. Now, the scripture starts out by saying, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers of the prophets. Now, he, he is talking about in times past, he's talking about the old covenant, he's talking about the prophets of God. But, he said, hath in these days, verse 2, spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Uh, there's, somebody said there's only two questions that really count. Number one, has God spoken? And number two, if God has spoken, then what did he say? Those are the two primary questions we need to answer. Uh, they're important because the only thing we can know about God this morning is what God reveals himself to us. Now, Take it, for example, that, that you're in a box, a natural box. We're, Christians are in a box. 
And the only way that we're going to get a revelation from God is God has to reveal himself. But the good news is God has revealed himself. He's revealed himself through the entire word of God. Now, when you try to say, I'm not happy with that, and I want to dig out of that box, I want to knock that, uh, that, the side of the box down, and I want to get out, that's how cults start. They're not happy with the box that God has created us to live in. They want to find another way to get to heaven. So they knock down this wall of the box, or they climb over that wall of the box, and they say, we're going to get to heaven a different way. We're going to work our way to heaven. We're going to give our way to heaven. We're going to prophesy our way to heaven. We're going to teach our way to heaven. No, you're not. You're going to end up in hell. There's only one way to go to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's what the Word says. That's it. So we're in this box, and, and God reveals him time. And the Bible says from time to time, uh, uh, it's impossible to, uh, to get to heaven any other way. From time to time, folk want to try it another way. But the good news is that from Genesis to Revelation, we're told repeatedly that our God is a God who speaks, and he speaks through his word. Now, at the beginning, uh, uh, you know, people ask this question all the time. Would God let good people uh, go to hell who've never heard of him? Well, the, the word of God, first of all, you ask the wrong question. There's none good, no, not one. So there's no good people in this room today. There's no good people across the ocean 4,000 miles from here. There's none. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none good, no, not one. Now, the Bible says in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. The heavens declare, the skies proclaim, God is speaking through his creation. If I had a picture, beautiful picture up here, that would mean that that picture means that there's an artist somewhere out here. I don't have a watch. I gave it away years ago to somebody. I was trying to put a stunt on over here, and I hadn't got one since. But anyway, if I had a watch, that would mean that somewhere there's a watchmaker. I wouldn't have a watch if there was. If there is a creation, come on now, that means there's a creator. Somebody created all of this, and that was God himself. In times past, he spoke through the prophets there. But God knew that communicating to people through creation would not be enough. You see, I don't know how I'm going to explain this. This Hebrew is going to drive me. There is enough in creation to condemn you to a place called hell. But, there's not enough in creation to tell you about the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. That's where we come in witnessing to one another. We've got, now, creation itself, that's why you, you take dogs, they look down. You take cats, they look down. Horses look down. Cows look down. The word for man is anthropos, and that means look up. God has created us to look up. Look up to the heavens. The wind in past, God spoke. 
in these last days God has spoken. The how? Well, in the past days, he spoke through the prophets. But now, he speaks through Jesus. Now, stay with me. Let me try to explain this to you. I know you already know it, but David was a, he was a wicked man. <laughs> Committed adultery, had a baby, killed her, her husband. I mean, he pretty rough. And yet, God used that ordinary, imperfect man to write a perfect letter that goes in a perfect book called the Bible. Over 1,500 years, 40-something authors, 66 books, all come together to form our Bible, the Word of God. Now, the same thing happened to Jonah. He's not a good man. He ran from God. Didn't like them people. He said, I don't want to. I, the Ninevites had a chance to be saved. I don't want them to be saved. Some of you like that right now. There's some folk in town. You don't care whether they're saved or not. You ought to be ashamed. We ought to be witnessing to everybody. But God took an imperfect Jonah after a little persuasion in the belly of a whale, spit him up. God took an imperfect Jonah to write a perfect letter that ended up being in a perfect book. But now listen, David, after he committed sin, and after he, he said, I acknowledge my sin before the Lord, is what he said in Psalms. He didn't know anything about Ephesians 2.8. This salvation was a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He didn't know anything about that. Had been written yet. See, in times past, you heard from the prophets. But now, he says, in these last days, you're hearing from Jesus. Now, the, 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 the difference is, is under the old covenant and under the new covenant. And if you're not careful, the old covenant will kind of make sense to you, and you'll want to live in the old covenant. I'm thinking, why would you want to live in the old covenant covered up with a bunch of laws when you can live in the new covenant by the grace of God? I'll take the new covenant every time. You say, well, God didn't, God didn't wipe out the old covenant. No, God fulfilled the old covenant. What do you do when you fulfill something? That means it's over. It's fulfilled. It's done. And the new covenant now we live under now. And Jesus is the very one that gives us the word in the new covenant. I remember years ago, I think I've used this ex uh, example, but I love it. Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, came to a place where many pastors are, thinks nobody listens to them. I mean, I, I was over at Mason Creek this morning. I, th I've been in ministry over 51 years. I have never... Justin, who prayed for the offertory, you, he prayed my three points from the sermon last week. I ain't never had that happen before in my life. Most of y'all don't even remember what I preached on last week. Other than you say, well, it had to be the resurrection. It was Easter. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he, he named all three of them. Thank you, Lord, for coming down. Thank you, Lord, for going in. Thank you, Lord, for coming up. <laughs> I've never had, 
Roosevelt said, nobody listens to me. So he decided one day at a big political dinner with all these ambassadors from different countries, he was just going to mumble, I killed my grandmother last night. I killed my grandmother last night. All these people come through and shake hands. I killed my grandmother last night. Oh, God bless you. I killed my grandmother last night. We love you. I killed my grandmother. We'll be praying for you. And they went through that whole line except the last ambassador to Bolivia. He shook hands with President Roosevelt and he said, I killed my grandmother last night. And he kind of looked at him and he leaned over and whispered in Roosevelt's ear, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> oh, glory. <laughs> my, my, my. The writer of Hebrews is saying, you want to go back to the old covenant? You want to go back to the words and ways of the prophet? You don't understand that God spoke through them long before. But in these last days, God has spoken by his son, Jesus Christ. The prophets were many. Christ is one. The prophets didn't fully understand their message. Christ is the source of the message. The prophets were not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Only time the Holy Spirit came was on the day of Pentecost. Those prophets in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God was there, maybe in a cloud, maybe in a, a, a house. You know, it could be in different things. But in the New Testament, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But the old prophets weren't indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You think about it, I remember as, as many years ago as we were taking the boys to Colorado, they'd get up, you know, in Oklahoma and say, look at that mountain. I said, babe, that ain't no mountain. Now, we, we're going to see some mountains today, but that's not one of them. And we'd, we'd top Interstate 25 there, and, and, and there you'd begin to see those tall peaks. And it looked like as we got, it looked like they were right next to each other. They were close. But the closer we got to them, the more farther apart they looked like. Uh, and, and that's kind of what he's talking about there uh, here in Hebrews here. We're, we're, we're living in last days right now. There were some times when they, they thought it was close. I don't know when the Lord's coming. I think it's close. I, I can guarantee you one thing, it's closer today than it was yesterday. And the closer we get to those peaks, the more we realize there's some separation of time. But I'm telling you, that doesn't mean it's not real. Jesus is coming again. And he uses different people in different fragments. But now he's put together the entire word of God. Give me, let me give you the second thing quickly. He reigns powerfully. Jesus, the Bible says, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of the glory of God. Exact representation of God above. Uh, after Jesus provided purification for sins, the Bible says here that he sat down. He sat down. You, you can't sit down. That was against the old covenant. There were no chairs in the temple. The priests were to always stand. But you see, that's the old covenant. In the new covenant, Jesus has fulfilled it. He's done everything there needs to be done. And the Bible says he sat down. He sat down 
at the right hand of the majesty on high. Mm. That means it's finished. It's finished. My wife, this is good, baby. My wife loves to work in the yard. She loves it. And I love for her to do it. I try to stay out of her way and just let her do it. Because <laughs> she loves to do it. But, but amen, somebody with me. But when she comes in, mm, she looks worse than anything I've ever seen. There is dirt on her head. There's dirt on her chins. There's dirt all over her. I know I'm going to have to get the plunger out because when she takes shower, it's going to stop the drain up. There's so much dirt on it. But anyway, she comes in hot, grimy. I mean, you all her, you know. But then I, she goes into the bathroom, and I see the steam coming out from under the door and out through the cracks. And she walks out then, and ah, she's refreshed. See, it's, a, it's like taking a shower, a hot shower, and getting rid of all the grime and all the dirt. That's what Jesus has done for us. We come into him and we're dirty and we're filthy and we're grimy and we're sorry. And the Lord Jesus Christ died on Calvary, rose again the third day, ascended into heaven. And when we come to him, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We feel fresh. That's the power of God. Nobody else can do that. Isn't that right, Dan? I, I know a man who can. But I'll tell you what, nobody else in here can. You can't cleanse somebody. But we know a man who can. His name is Jesus. Let me give you the last thing, and I'm through. People respond personally. Let me ask you, what, what good would it be if the God of all creation sent his son to die on a cross... He died, he was buried, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he finished all the work of salvation, he sat down on the right hand of the Father uh, there in the majesty of his glory there, and then you didn't even accept it. You rejected it. What good would it do you? Not a bit. You're to respond personally. Uh, a personal response is required. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'm telling you what, Jesus is waiting on you. You're not waiting on him. He's already finished everything. He's fulfilled everything. He's sitting down at the right hand of the Father. It's finished. It's over. You just need to come and believe and receive him as your Savior. Maybe you're here this morning and God's speaking to you in some other way. And you know it. He, 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 didn't, you know, he didn't write it on the wall or anything. You just know in your heart this is what God said to you. Then why aren't you doing it? There are five warnings in Hebrews, and I'm going to close with this. Because it's a, it's a progression. The first warning that's in Hebrews is this, and we'll cover all of these. It's drifting from the Word. This is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. And you'll drift from it if you're not careful. I know the Bible says this, but this is 2023. 
And I, I don't want my kids mad at me all the time, and I don't want this. And if you're not careful, you'll drift. I'll never forget the first trip, mission trip I ever took. I was almost 18 years old, and I was driving a 72-passenger bus that we borrowed from the school. We went to South Texas, and uh, we were uh, on a mission trip, and then I said, we're going to spend the day in, uh, at, we're going to spend some of the day at, at uh, uh, South Padre Island, and then we were supposed to sing at First Baptist Palacios the next morning. Well, in Corrigan, we had about 45 or so go, and in Corrigan, there wasn't three people to ever seen the beach. We, we, we had ponds, and we had Bear Creek and Piney Creek. We didn't, we didn't know what a beach was. And I said, guys, there's one rule here when we get this beach. You're going to stay right here because I had some adult sponsors, and I said, we're going to watch and make sure. I mean, I was scared to death. The adults were scared to death. And it wasn't 15 minutes. Somebody hollers, ain't nobody out here. They're all gone. They had done drifted all the way down, probably a half a mile. Now, they didn't take out swimming that direction, trying to go that direction. They just were playing and having a good time, and as they were, they just kept drifting. We used to sing an old song out of the Stamps Baxters, Drifting Too Far From the Shore. I'm drifting too far from the shore. Come to Jesus. Anyway, it's easy to drift. The other thing I learned was when you got a bunch of white, white people, and you spend two hours in that hot sun, that's a little bit too long. Every, almost every kid I had that night said, we're not going to be able to sing. I said, every one of y'all going to sing. You're going to get up in that church and you're going to sing. They were crying. Let me tell you, don't stay out in that sun too long. Don't drift. It's easy to drift. And then he says, the next warning here in the book of Hebrews, he's going to tell us, don't doubt the word. You see, when you begin to drift, if you're not careful, you'll start doubting the Word of God. You'll say, well, maybe those promises aren't for me. Maybe, maybe God's not really here today. And you begin to doubt the Word of God. The third warning that's in Hebrews is it begins to dull you. You get a dullness of speaking. That's why... I watch, I watch some of y'all. I watch some of you come in here. And you're grabbing hold of the pew during that invitation time. And you're grabbing that thing. And you're holding on for dear life. You do that two or three weeks. And then about that third or fourth week, you stand up and sing with the choir. You're all right. Why is that? Well, you've drifted so far and you've doubted so much that you've become dull to the Word. You don't listen to the Word. My, my, my. Don't get in that position where you don't hear the Word of God. You know why the devil lines up with your uh, desire to leave God? is because that's what your emotions are. You're saved not on your emotions. You're saved because of the Word of God. You're saved because Jesus died on Calvary and died for your sins. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter if you get up feeling saved or if you go to bed feeling saved. It doesn't make any difference. You're still saved. Yeah. Then, 
that warning of drifting, of doubting, of dullness, it comes to a time where you actually just despise the Word of God. You don't want to hear anything about Jesus. I've got a tremendous staff where I am. I've always had a good staff. Had a good staff at the last church I was at, tremendous. Brother Mark was on that staff, and he's a, you know, he's a, well, he's a nut. I just put it like that. And I had this old man one day chewing me out one side and down another. <laughs> and uh, I knew that I, what I just did, I hit speaker fall. It wasn't but a second. He came out there and said, is that man talking to you? You're no God-called preacher. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, you know. And he had used some other words. And he said, let's go. I said, we're coming over to your house. We'll be there in a minute. And I hit off. I walked in and Mark walked in. Mark said, I got a few scriptures I want to share with you. And first thing out of the old man's house, I don't want to hear a thing the Word of God has got to say. I won't even tell you what Mark said to him. <laughs> but it comes a place if you're not careful. When you drift so far and you doubt so much and you become so dull of hearing that you get to the point where you don't want to hear nothing he's got to say does that in relationships too <laughs> I don't want to hear nothing the last thing you drift you doubt you get dull you despise the Word of God and the last thing you do is defy the Word of God I don't care what the Bible says I'm gonna do it my way I'm gonna plan my way to heaven no you're not you're gonna go the way God said go or you're not gonna go and I'll go so far as to even tell you this. You're not even going to decide when you're going to do it. If you can't be drawn by the Holy Spirit of God to be saved, you can't even be saved. If you're sitting here this morning and you're lost and there's nothing in telling you, hey, he's talking to you, you need to be saved. I'd go out and enjoy life. Because you're not going to be saved. You say, Preacher, I can't believe you'd say that. There's a lot of people think they're going to get saved whenever they want to get saved. That's not true. My spirit will not always bear witness with your spirit. There'll come a time, read Romans 1, where God says, hey, I'll give you up. I'm telling you, if God's speaking to you today, today is the day that you need to come forward and say, I need to be saved. God's shown you this is the church you need to be in, then you come forward and be in this church. Man, don't, don't labor back and forth, back and forth. Get on the winning team. Let's go for the Lord. It may be that God wants you just to come and just reconsecrate your life. I know these bells are down here, but I want to tell you something. There's plenty of room. Gather. We'll gather wherever you need to gather. We'll pray together. Maybe you just need to reconcentrate your life to reconsider what God has done for you, to renew your life today. I don't know where you are, but I know where you could be if you'll trust Jesus. Father, we're grateful this morning for your book of Hebrews. We're thankful for your speaking to us. We're thankful for the blessings that you give us that we don't deserve. Now we're asking again, Holy Spirit, to speak to hearts today, to minds 
and to souls, that souls would be saved, that people would key, be committed to themselves, there to you. And Lord, you would become the Lord of their life. We're going to praise you. We're going to thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name. Would you stand together?